Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. I don't even know why I bother. Everything's racist. Everything I say is going to be uh, called racist. Why, why, even, why even try? Why even try? What's the point? I, honestly, I should just say, you know what? Good night, everybody. What's, what's the value? This is breaking right now. In, uh, oh, God. This is breaking right now in Florida. I, can you get us a beer, Ari? Do we have any left? Ari, there needs to be in, in, in the fridge in my office a, a, a something, something to, 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 to get through. The newly minted Republican nominee for governor, Congressman Ron DeSantis, is being uh, called out for racism against uh, his opponent, uh, Andrew Gillum, who is black, for using the term monkey this up. Oh, no, 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 no. Wait for it. Wait for it. I'm Tony Katz, by the way. How you doing? 833-GOT-TONY is the number. Twitter, Tony Katz. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. So Andrew Gillum, and by the way, I was talking about this earlier, that this race is the one that has everything. You have uh, uh, DeSantis, who was supported by President Trump. You've got Gillum, who was supported by Bernie Sanders. So you've got Trump versus Sanders. You've got uh, capitalist versus socialist. And then you've got uh, the black-white thing going. Checks off all the boxes. So Ron DeSantis was discussing on Wednesday uh, warning voters about Andrew Gillum. He said, you know, this is a guy, although he's much too liberal for Florida, I think he's got huge problems with how he's governed Tallahassee. I I watched those Democrats debate, and none of them is just my cup of tea. But he performed better than the other people there, so we got to work hard to make sure we continue Florida going in a good direction. Accusing him, of course, of uh, embracing a socialist agenda. And he says, let's build up the success we've had on Governor Scott. Rick Scott, that is. And he continues, the last thing we need to do is monkey this up by trying to embrace a socialist agenda with huge tax increases bankrupting the state. That is not going to work. And for that, people are claiming racism. This is how TheHill.com wrote the article. DeSantis, Florida voters shouldn't monkey this up by voting for Gillum. That's not what he said. A a phrase commonly used in context. What in the bloody hell? This from the Florida Democratic Chairwoman Terry Rizzo. It is disgusting that Ron DeSantis is launching his general election campaign with racist dog whistles. We have to stop. And Florida voters have to know that the Democratic Party is full of crap. Full of crap. Now, by the way, you know, part of my problem is that I'm not a cliche guy. I don't often use cliches. If I do, it is extremely rare. Because I think that you should be able to explain yourself without having to uh, fall back on on something. You know what uh, uh, kills me? Uh, I'll come into to work on a Monday. Come into a work on, on, on a Monday. Come into the station on a Monday, and I'll walk in, and, and I'm, I'm there early, right? 4.35 a.m., boom, there's Tony Katz ready to go. We got the morning show, and then we take a little break. Uh, we, we have ourselves a, a, a snack, uh, perhaps, and then uh, we've got this glorious, fantastic program three hours a day and love it. And, and it'll be in that little bit of a break, and I'll see somebody. It'll be like, you know, first time I've seen them that morning, i like, hey, how you doing? And it's Monday morning, and they go, well, it's Monday. I should have the right to punch them.
in the neck. Don't be using that with me. You know? Don't be saying that. I see him on a Friday. They'll be like, I'll be like, how you doing? It's Friday. What does that even mean? What am I supposed to do with that information? It's, it's just, do you have nothing else to say? Is there nothing else you can offer? And, like, that's, like, a, a small example of, of cliche. But I have never, I don't think I've used monkey up. You never, are you really never heard it before? Oh, first of all, totally out there. A hundred percent. Monkey up the works. Mess up the works. Which I have never heard used in a racist capacity or thought of in that way in my life. Now, just because I haven't doesn't mean that other people have. It means that's clearly not the direction he was going. He was talking about socialism. And here is how you say it, Congressman DeSantis. I can't believe I have to teach people. Hey, Florida, if you vote for a socialist, you're an effing moron. That's how you say it. Clear, simple, concise, perfect. You see all those people in Miami, Florida? They escaped hell of communism. Well, socialism is just communism, but with nicer uniforms. Let's not buy into it. Andrew Gillum doesn't know what the hell he's talking about. Anybody who would associate with Bernie Sanders and Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who's willing to embrace people like Linda Sarsour, ain't worthy of the people of Florida. Now let's go win this thing. Why is that so difficult? Why is that so difficult? Why is it that the Republican Party doesn't know how to speak English? They don't know how to talk. But the idea that it's racist is too pathetic and embarrassing for words. It's absolutely crazy. And it really goes to the cravenness of the body politic. They don't want to debate the idea. They want to destroy the person. They want to destroy the person until they are dead. They are not interested at all in having some conversation to defend their point of view, to defend their argument, to show why their system, their belief, their attitude, their thought is better. Forget that. Kill the other guy until they die. That's where they're at. That sucks for us. I mean, that sucks for us. This is just a kick. Well, it's it's the police. Um, what's the song? Um, uh, it's it's a humiliating kick in the crotch, many miles away, um, and it's a in the dark Scottish lock. Um, oh God! Oh oh! What's that police song? Another working day has ended. Factories. Uh, it, no, that's not it. Synchronicity. It's from Synchronicity. The album. Do you know a band called the Police? Ari, you wait. Millennial Ari, you didn't know that there was a band called The Police? Wait, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm, I'm making sure people know your age. You're, 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 you're a 20-something. You didn't know about The Police. Um, oh, you heard of them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my. Did you know that Sting was in a band before he was a solo act? Hey, do you remember Sting from Dune? No? Okay. <sighs> yeah, it's, this, is, this is just the worst this is just the worst. What a way to start this election. But it's just unbelievable. Un, it's, it's unbelievable how quickly people are willing uh, to lie, how willing they are to just make things up and scream at hatred when it doesn't exist, when it's not there. Um, and if, if, I, if I'm advising DeSantis on this, he should tell the Democratic Party to kiss off. Really, right there and then. You know what? Go to hell.
everyone knows what I was saying. Accusing me of racism ain't going to work in this race. Andrew Gillum wants to win this thing. He's going to have to do better in the realm of ideas and prove that to the people of Florida because that's what I'm going to do every day. You people can scream racism all you want, and that's right. I said you people, which refers to Democrats. You're going to make it racist because that's all you know how to do. I'm not going to stand for it. Floridians aren't going to stand for it. Independents and moderates aren't going to stand for it. We're not going to stand for it anymore. You either put up on the concept of ideas and debate your thesis or shut your your mouth and go away. But I'm not going to sit here and be called racist by a bunch of you people, meaning Democrats, who aren't interested in debate. You're not worth my time. And if you think that that's the way we should engage selecting a governor, don't vote for me. We're going to win by a freaking landslide. That's, that would be me. That's my advice to the man. Hey, he's not going to take it. He's not going to take it. There's, there's going to be some nonsense, weaselly nonsense that, that comes out. If I'm him, I am in uh, Cuban communities all day for the next five days talking openly in front of the press about the horrors of socialism. I would be spending Miami and Tampa Bay. I would be there every single day for the next five days if the man has any brains whatsoever. Any brains whatsoever. If he had any brains, he wouldn't be using monkey up. But if he had any brains whatsoever, that's where he'll be over the next five days. Much more to get to. I'm Tony Katz. Hey. 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 Chocolate. Tony Katz on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Like the page, if you don't mind. TonyKatz.com. The Cynthia Nixon story is just so delicious. She's the actress running for governor in New York. She's a socialist. She's running against Andrew Cuomo, who's a socialist. He just doesn't like to say the word yet. And she's trying to outleft Andrew Cuomo, which is insane, to say the least. And so they're going to debate, which is, uh, I, would, I would go totally pay-per-view on that. I would be 100% pay-per-view on that. It, it goes without saying. And she's going to debate this guy, to which I'm uh, your popcorn now. And she wants the debate hall to be 76 degrees. But Andrew Cuomo likes things very cold, so she tells CBS... Uh, that icy office temperatures are notoriously sexist. They're sexist. I do not know how they are sexist, except the idea that women are usually cold, men are usually warm. So the problem here, the problem here is that we always keep it cold for men and it's uncomfortable for women and therefore that's sexism. The choice is uh, I can uh, peel off my skin or not. What's your plan? Exactly how much should I strip down for comfort for you? What is it that you're going for? Now, this is going to uh, air. Wait, is this is this tonight? At Hofstra. Well, that is tonight. It's right. The primary is uh, just coming up. That is That is something else. It's not notoriously sexist. Anybody who says so is out of their skull. When, when you're in a room, right, to say that the room should be kept at the higher temperature, 
because one person is comfortable means that the second person cannot get comfortable. But it's kept at the lower temperature. The one person is comfortable and the other person can find ways to be comfortable. Or you can meet in the middle. Remember, this is all a negotiation tactic, right? Every last, every last bit of it. But to call it sexist is, is criminally insane. Criminally insane. But that doesn't stop these people who are criminally insane. They're crazy. They'll find anything. Everything is a reason to be offended. Everything is an offense. Existence in and of itself is an offense. If only these people could find someplace desolate to go and be by themselves, and then they'd be offended that no one was there to share it with them so they could complain about those people for being offensive. They're never, they're never happy unless they're complaining. They, their whole life is about being a victim. And if they cannot find something to be a victim of, about, well, then they're being victimized. You know, you, you might think that that's circular logic, but you work that through in your head once or twice, you realize Tony Katz was right. Overheard. Here's Brian. Hey, anyone who knows anything about Antifa knows it's mostly white, upper-to-middle-class college kids and professional socialists rather than black folk. Uh, but according to CNN's Jeffrey Tubin, the real reason that Donald Trump doesn't care for the fine, upstanding citizens of Antifa is because Donald Trump is a flaming racist. The theme here is, I'm Donald Trump, and I'll protect you from the scary black people. This is about black versus white. This is about Donald Trump's appeal to racism, and it just happens all the time, and we never say it, or we don't say it enough for what it is, but that's what's going on. All right, well, apparently wearing black now is the same as being black, according to Jeffrey Tubin. So if you're Caucasian, go through your wardrobe and remove anything on a hanger that doesn't scream Technicolor, or else you're engaging in cultural appropriation, and that's not cool. Hey, remember former Democratic candidate for president and symbol of good sportsmanship Hillary Clinton? And remember how she had a private email server in her bathroom and there was an investigation? And then James Comey laid out all the damning evidence and built such an airtight case against old Hills that even a drunk and disgraced attorney who specializes in personal injury could have gotten a conviction and put her in prison? And then remember how after laying out the case, Comey said, well, in conclusion, after reviewing the evidence, no biggie. And then remember how the story became all about Donald Trump and how he was to blame because he said if Russia had the 30,000 missing emails, he hoped they released them. And that became further evidence that he had colluded with Russia. Well, get this. A new report claims it was actually China that hacked old Hillary's email and they did it in real time. In other words, China allegedly received a copy of every single email old girl sent or received. What does it all mean, Basil? Well, investigative journalist Peter Schweitzer explained last night on Fox News. If this story is true, it means that the only set of all of Hillary Clinton's emails as Secretary of State resides in Beijing, China. Uh, if you think about the Steele dossier, the concern that was always raised about that fake dossier was that it would uh, lead to a blackmail on Donald Trump. These emails would be a massive blackmail tool for the Chinese against Hillary Clinton. Well, there it is. Listening to that, there is only one conclusion any rational person can come to. Donald Trump colluded with China. And finally, former President Jimmy Carter is calling out Democrats for their constant calls for impeachment of Donald Trump. I'm not actively involved in politics anymore, as you know. Thank God for that. I don't talk about impeachment. I think that's the wrong thing for Democrats to do. Huh. Well, look at that. Senility can be reversed. 
I'm Brian. Have a great day. Brian Baker, thank you. Tony Katz, 833-GOT-TONY, Facebook Tony Katz Radio. I don't often tell George Soros stories because I sometimes think that's inside baseball for people who are, are you know, they, 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 they hate the Koch brothers, and the Koch brothers are evil, and they're, they're destroying politics and the money in politics. And then the answer is, well, what about George Soros? He funds this, he funds that, he, he hates Trump, he's trying to push to get more uh, secretaries of state into power across the country because if you're the secretary of state, you control the vote count. What does the vote matter if you can control the totals? Right? That's, that's George Soros. And, and uh, well, a nasty guy and a nasty history and how he made his, his billions. But there's an interesting story from the Free Beacon. And in the world, in the world right now, as, as we're talking about tech, and, and you're seeing uh, uh, the C- chief operating officer of Facebook, uh, Sheryl Sandberg, she's going to testify in front of Congress. And you've got um, uh, Jack Dorsey, the CEO of Twitter, he's going to testify in front of Congress. And then you've got um, um, Pakai. I can never, I can never pronounce his his name right, and I always feel bad about that. He is the CEO. He is the CEO of of Google. Sundar Pichai, P-I-C-H-A-I, or it's Pichai, and I'm not sure which one it is. He's not going to go. He's not going to testify in front of the Senate Intelligence Committee. And so the senator there, uh, Richard Burr, is like, all right, we'll just leave the chair, and we'll leave your sign there, and it'll be empty. And then Google's like, well, we can send uh, the vice president for global affairs. And Burr said, no, that's not good enough. Well, we'll, we'll leave it there for, for, for your CEO. We'll leave it there for, for Mr. Pichai. And, uh, you know, if he... Uh, if he shows up, great. He's, he's got him a chair. If not, the chair will just be there, and, and the cameras will pick it up. Yeah, that's cool. And really, so much of this is a conversation about, for for people on the political right, about how they stymie conservative thought, about how they hide conservative content, how they demonetize people. But in a bigger context, and the one that we should not lose sight of, because don't get me wrong, the other stuff's happening, and it's and it's wrong. It's data protection. It's about what it is you're doing online and what it is they believe they should have rights to. The idea that Google says, do no evil, like that's their phrase. So what? That's a phrase. It's not true. And they do evil. It's what they do. So we need to be aware of this. You mean we could say don't track our location and still they're like, oh, okay, we'll track your location. Yeah, but I, but I specifically made the settings so you don't track my location. Google says, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. We saw that. Yeah, it's great. We're going to track your location. And you're like, yeah, but I want to be able to travel without you knowing where I am. And Google's like, listen, we're tracking your location. Shut your face. And, they, like, we're supposed to live with that? I don't believe in breaking these companies up, but, man, they're working down that road. I mean, someone's going to bring it up. Europe's already having these conversations. This conversation's going to happen. This conversation is going to happen. So there's been a lot of talk about the tech companies lately. One of those people talking, as uh, Joe Shostal uh, reports in the Free Beacon, is George Soros. George Soros has been talking about these companies. The, the billionaire, George Soros, I think you know what I'm talking about. Uh, he has referred to them as a menace and monopolistic when he was at the World Economic Forum in Davos. He said, uh, as Facebook and Google have grown into even more powerful monopolies, they have become obstacles to innovation, and they have caused a variety of problems of which we are only now becoming aware. He continued, they claim they are merely distributing information, but the fact that they are near-monopoly distributors makes them public utilities and should subject them to more stringent regulations aimed at preserving competition, innovation, and fair and open universal access. Davos is a good place, he wrote, or he said, 
to announce that their days are numbered. So here's Soros coming and just just punching uh, at these companies, right? He's just gonna just gonna knock them senseless. He's just gonna throw some punches, a couple body blows there, and then to prove how serious he is. He bought 159,000 shares in Facebook, 250,000 shares in Twitter, and 54,000 shares in Apple. He spent $52 million on these three companies. He told you publicly that they're evil and they're terrible and disgusting and despicable and duplicitous, and then he bought $52 million worth. Just trying to bring the price down a little bit before he could make his uh before he could make his purchase? Or is George Soros gonna do what George Soros does? Find a way to profit, and you're about to see the biggest short ever. Something's going down. Something's going down for sure. But you know, when when uh, Elon Musk of Tesla decides to go on some ambient bender and uh, and talk about how he's going to take the company private at 420 and uh, and he's got investors lined up when he doesn't have the investors lined up. That gets people rubbed the wrong way. Those short sellers, they took the bath. That's it, him screwing with the short sellers. That's where I think, I think Soros is going. I could be totally wrong. Not a stock market guy, but something's afoot. Yeah, I, I don't trust him either. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz, 833 got Tony is the number. Defense distributed. Facebook Tony Katz Radio, Twitter Tony Katz. We talked about them yesterday. They're the ones who are having their First Amendment rights taken away because they've got um they've got basically blueprints. So you can print off a 3D firearm. Right? So they got these blueprints where you can do that. And then um it was the State Department under President Obama that said, no, you can't print those even though other ones already exist out there. Uh, and then uh, uh, the Trump State Department said, yeah, you, you can put them out there. You know, you could, you, could, you could do this because, well, it's a free speech conversation. It isn't a Second Amendment conversation. It's a First Amendment conversation. Then states sued and said, hey, they should not be allowed to, to distribute this kind of material. It's dangerous. And the judge said, yes, they shouldn't be allowed to distribute this kind of material. It's dangerous. And uh, your, your First Amendment rights are dwarfed by the security concerns of the state. And I said, oh, hell. Your security, your, 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 your free speech concerns don't matter. They're dwarfed by the security concerns of the state. Well, then the state always comes first. And if the state always comes first, you don't have any rights at all. Because everything will be for the security of the state. It, it does get that ugly. It gets that Orwellian. It's them saying it, not me. Well, the owner of the company, which is uh, Defense Distributed, yeah, they're, uh, they're selling the instructions anyway. 
He began selling them despite the court order. It was the judge, Robert Lasnik, who said that uh, Cody Wilson, the owner, and the company are barred from uploading them uh, to the Internet. He's already received 400 orders. He thinks he's found a loophole because the court order allowing him to uh, sell the blueprints. He said that the instructions will be sold to customers on a flash drive rather than being available uh, for download. So he's going to send it to them because they're not online now. So they're not being sold on, on online. And I think that he's right here. Now, the real story is, and I've, I've been through this, is that he should be allowed to distribute online. When it first came up, I had not spent much time thinking about 3D printers or, or thinking about uh, ramifications therein. I love the technology. I think it's just stunning. It is amazing how important uh, it is going to be for the future. Uh, the very idea that you could have somebody in the middle of who knows where and their truck breaks down because of a $3 part, but they can have a printer on the truck as opposed to having all the parts stocked for the truck, which would be impossible. They could have a printer and they could print out the part put it in place and go to work. Just go back to doing what the things they do. I mean that's that's amazing uh, conceptually. Amazing technology, right? Uh, but I had not spent much time thinking about 3D guns and uh, when it, the subject came up I'm like, "Okay, what don't I know?" because I can understand why you might be bothered and someone might be bothered by the idea of people printing uh 3D firearms. Criminals, uh people in the country illegally, People overstaying visas create a lot of issues. So I started thinking about, well, these are the issues. Now, what happens if we say no? Well, it is indeed a free speech conversation. It absolutely is a free speech conversation. I have the right to share information. I have the right to express myself. And most importantly, if you were to curtail all the things that could get in the hands of the wrong person, you'd spend your entire life under your bed. That's a terrible way to live. And certainly isn't a, a, a way to live in, in freedom. So I said, okay. Part of this uh, society that we've got, if and when we do it right, involves the fact that sometimes things can go south. Sometimes people might do bad things. Yes, the other option is serfdom, and I'm not interested. I didn't need Hayek to tell me. I, I, I see it all by myself. I took a look at the, at the GPS. I said, oh, so that's the road. Let's not take it. Come on, you got to be amazing. You're, you're impressed with the Hayek reference. You're impressed with the Hayek reference. Yes, you are. Later, I'm going to drop some Milton Friedman, and then Pant's going to hit the floor. That's what's going to drop next. I do Hayek, I do Friedman, Pant's drop. That's how it works. <laughs> I'm going to bring in some Edmund Burke, and then it's going to get crazy. Not an economist, but you know what I mean. So, defense distributed has every right. And think of what a, what a frightening line that is. The, the, uh, the, safe, the security concerns of the state outweigh... Uh, your your freedom of speech dwarfed. Your freedom of speech is dwarfed by the security concerns of the state. Quite literally, the most frightening thing I have seen in a long time. They should throw this guy off the bench. That's some that's some ignorant stuff right there. But it's this free speech conversation that takes us into the entire tech conversation, right? We we're talking about it a bit earlier. 
about the tech companies that are going to testify. And Google, uh, uh, he's not the the CEO of Google is not showing up. He's 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 not coming. He's like, ah, eh, no, Sundar Pichai. I still don't know if I'm pronouncing his last name right. He's not going to come. And I don't think, because this is the Senate Intelligence Committee and Jack Dorsey, CEO of uh, Twitter, is going and Charles Sandberg, the COO of Facebook, and but uh, Google's Senator Pichai not going. And I don't think he has to go. I don't think he has to be compelled to testimony. He doesn't want to testify in front of uh, the Senate. He doesn't have to testify in front of the Senate. What he has to do is deal with the ramifications. So first and foremost, Google is not kindness google is in the money making business google is not interested in your privacy they're interested in knowing everything about you and it will be used against you at the appropriate time just so you're clear your search history if you get uh too uh uppity is going to be used against you it's totally going to be used against you and can i say for the record i have searched for some strange things I've been amazed what I've seen. I've been frightened by what I've seen. I am alive, people. I am alive, and I'm not going to live somehow in this uh, cloistered, sheltered world, afraid of my own shadow because someone might see what I'm doing. I saw some things, and some of it was amazing, and some of it made me need therapy. Amazing what, what what's out there in the world and what people like and, and all sorts of things. But, yeah, I know Google's going to use it against me one day. What am I supposed to do? I'm living my life. What Google has to accept is that this isn't a right-left conversation. This is a where-are-my-rights conversation. We did not buy into the concepts of Google and Facebook and, and social media in general so they could then control every bit of our digital life and tell us that we have no privacy rights to our digital life. Nobody did that. And in the main, nobody wants that. Now, there are some people who are totally fine with that. Oh, I got nothing to hide. Deeper, deeper, deeper. Those people are just the worst. They're the same people who want to microchip themselves because, like, oh, I can get into my door easier. Ah, oh, is that it? Is that it, Ari? It's convenient? Oh, that's great. That's great. Yeah, if I had a microchip, I wouldn't have to carry cash or anything. I, just, I would be able to just swipe my hand at the bar, and that way everybody would know. What happens when you swipe your hand one time too many, and then, therefore, the bartender has to cut you off? Doesn't know that you bought around uh, for, for your friends. It just decides you've had too many drinks. What happens when you swipe enough and people start knocking on your door? We noticed you had four drinks last night. We'd like to talk to you about your problems. Oh, we noticed you had four drinks last night. We need to change uh, what you pay for your for your health insurance or if you get health insurance. Oh, you had four drinks uh, last night. So therefore, we disable your car because we know by your chip what you're doing. Just... I'm just just playing out the dystopian nightmare that now exists in the in the world. Just playing that to the end game, if we're all cool with that. So Sundar Pichai doesn't have to show. He just has to deal with the fact that the American people are pissed. And they're going to look to their elected officials and say, what are you going to do about it? Now, I've made the argument. The answer is more competition. Use other search engines. Build other search engines. To hell with Google. Listen, I'm having this fight in the social media world because the people I work with, they want me to do more stuff on YouTube. And I'm like, why? They're just going to censor it anyway. They're just going to demonetize it anyway. Screw them. What am I wasting my time for? You think you think that, 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 that YouTube is going to let me grow like Logan Paul? What do you think is going to happen? 
I am going to get banned, blocked, dismissed, disgraced, shut down, uh, shadow banned, whatever you want to call it? Of course. So what's the point? Why can't I just go somewhere else? Why can't I just build it elsewhere? I have to. YouTube's the only game in town. Well, then we need to take every conservative billionaire who complains about these things. We need to beat them until they say, okay, we get it. And then they need to invest in creating new platforms. Or uh, go find some angel investors and do it. Or be willing to sacrifice your house and do it. Uh, to the victor goes the spoils. Uh, uh, fortune favors the bold. Hey, I, I'm not a cliche guy, but there's a hundred of them like that. That's what Sunder has to accept. Now, when you're Google, you don't really care about what the competition is. You've got all the money. You've got all the data. You've got all the power. Um, but that's right now. You still got to fight. I set up a, uh, I started something uh, the other day, and I, I used a, uh, a, a, a non-Gmail. I, I had a chance. I needed to create an email account. I went non-Gmail. And slowly but surely, I'll move everything out. Slowly but surely, I'll walk away from the whole damn thing. Now, what I really need is a smartphone that doesn't use Android or iOS. That's what I really need. Not much. I need I need some other kind of software. I'm thinking of going old school BlackBerry. It might not even still work anymore. You know what? Flip phone. The answer is flip phone. I'm Tony Katz. Tony Katz on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, TonyKatz.com. Uh, uh, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. We got a, uh, It's the Jeffrey Tubin audio. It's so great. Jeffrey Tubin, the legal analyst of CNN, going completely off the rails, making the claim that Antifa is seen as a predominantly black organization. Listen. Let, let's be clear also about what's going on here. The theme here is I'm Donald, Donald Trump, and I'll protect you from the scary black people. Antifa is widely perceived as an African-American organization, and this is just part of the same story of LeBron James and Don Lemon and Maxine Waters and the NFL players and the UCLA basketball players. Mm. This is about black versus white. No, it's not. This is a myth, and Jeffrey Tubin is wrong. L lying, lying, lying all the way. Not even a debate. First, the idea that people see um, uh, Antifa as a as a black organization is is nonsense. I mean, that's just untrue. No, that that that's not happening. He has absolutely no no proof of that. He made that up. Just so we're clear, he made it up. Secondly, it has no no comparison to uh, to uh, the the. LeBron James issue. It has no comparison to Don Lemon. None. Zero. Less than zero. This is made up by Jeffrey Tubin. But he goes down this line, and, and he even has uh, someone there on CNN who's trying to kind of better explain what's up. 
Well, look, I, 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 I would frame it more broadly. I mean, I think, you know, Trump basically uh, has portrayed himself from the beginning as kind of the last line of defense uh, for his supporters against all the forces uh, that he suggests are trying to take America away from them. And sometimes it is coastal elites, like his attack on Google this morning, uh, and sometimes, uh, often, uh, it is minority uh, leaders, uh, like the, uh, the, all the attacks that Jeffrey mentioned. The key, though... Is what about Jeff Sessions? It, t tell me the minority leader that is Jeff Sessions. What about uh, a Rod Rosenstein? What about James Comey? What about, what about, what about, when does, uh, Rosie O'Donnell, minority leader? What are we talking about here? It's just so wholly untrue. But at least he's trying to have a, a bigger conversation. That's Rod Brownstein. I got it right. So let me finish up. He, though, is and, and what and what he said to the evangelical leaders really fits into this, I think, is that he is presenting himself, in effect, as a wartime president for red America. Only the war is largely against blue America. I mean, we've had presidents who've been accused of slighting voters outside of their base before Trump, I think, really is the first one who actively kind of tries to demonize the voters and the and the parts of the country outside of his base as a way of consolidating and mobilizing his own supporters. Again. That's not knowing the full story. What happened to President Obama talking about people cleaning, clinging to their Bibles and their guns? Did we forget that? That's not demonizing others? That's not trying to rally your own base? It's uh, What are you talking about? Of course it is. What happened to President Obama talking about when you see people out there waving their tea bags? That wasn't about trying to denigrate the other side. This is going back to 2010 here. Uh, attacking other people. This is all of a sudden new that you feed your base a little bit more of the red meat because it makes them happy? supporters. A division is essential. It is integral uh, to his entire strategy. And of course, the price on that is it puts enormous pressure on the less partisan piece of the Republican coalition, mostly white collar suburbanites. And that is where they face the greatest risk this fall among the very voters who we were talking about before in the last segment, who kind of look at what's happening and say, this is just too much chaos for me. I want some more checks and balances. Go ahead, Jeffrey. Now, that go ahead, Jeffrey's Wolf Blitzer saying, hey, Jeffrey Tubin. The same one who just told us that uh, Antifa is predominantly black. What do you think? I don't know, Ron. I'm thinking it's just black people and brown people. Well, good. 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 You got that all figured out. Excellent. Mazel tov to you. Uh, and, uh, and we can move on. Foolhardy arguments all the way around. You see, it's one thing to disagree with the, the guy in the middle there, Ron Brownstein, right? I disagree. I don't think he's fully thought through the argument. What Jeffrey Tubin is saying is a flat-out lie. He made it up. And they put it on CNN, and they say, "Ooh, analyst Jeffrey Tubin," as if somehow it's a it's a a big thing, as if somehow it's something that should really be discussed here. How how President Trump is using Antifa to go after black people, just like this, that, and the other. Look at the Machiavellian thoughts. I thought the man was too dumb to tie his own shoes, yet he is so Machiavellian, so intricate of a planner. He's brought all together. All of this racial hate. It's, it's embarrassing already. Embarrassing already. The way people are, are engaged in this conversation. But, but I'm, I'm, I'm used to embarrassment. Now, I know, Ari, uh, producer Ari here, uh, that you grabbed the audio from the guy who wrote that book, Shadow President, uh, the one who refers to Vice President Pence as a 
a white supremacist. I'm sorry, a Christian supremacist. A Christian supremacist, right? Uh, it was among, I didn't hear that exact quote, but uh, I, that, I believe it's, that's, that's what the, he's implying. That was the article from the Indianapolis Star ah. uh, talking about it. Uh, I will not be playing the audio. I am not giving this two-bit punk any press whatsoever. The shadow president. Oh, Vice President Pence. He just wants to be president, and he's waiting in the wings. Well, duh. That's a shock. You mean a guy accepted the position to run for vice president because he didn't want to be president? That's This guy wrote a book. What's wrong with me? Why haven't I written a book? What's wrong with me? It's too easy. You just say any nonsense that people already know and people are like, "Here, here, here's here's my here's my $20. Here's my $20." Get the podcast tonycats.com tomorrow everyone. Take care.